But strangely enough, there's left in the world today an area as big as the United States that's never been seen by a human being. The best is yet to come. Look at history textbooks that were used in schools. You'll see that history is different. It's been rewritten. It doesn't match up. Houston, we have a problem. We uh, destroyed that technology. People should not be walking around with masks. That stuff is flat. There's your flu. Last year. Here's your flu this year. Literally doesn't All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hibbler Effect. And today we have the greatest doctor in this movement, in the truth community, um, in terms of whistleblowing and, and, and telling it like it is and keeping it real, not caring about your feelings and the process. That's why I love this man. You love this man. Welcome to the show, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Thank you for coming on The Hibbler Effect. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for that uh, nice intro. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Look, I mean, we all talk about you all the time. I mean, your name's brought up. I try to bring your name up anytime the the topic of, I know we're on YouTube right now, but, you know, the topic of these or the topic of the flu the last couple of years, when that's brought up, I go, you got to go, go listen to Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Go watch Terrain. There's things out there that are verified now that this whole thing was a psyop. And again, trying to keep it clean on here the first 20 minutes, but what I wanted to get into, I think it's clean enough, um, is I was thrown back when you were on Eddie's show and you were talking about the human fall, right? Where human beings have their fall, like the trees, right? Where you oh, go yeah. through, yeah, go ahead. I, I want you to explain that to my audience that says, <laughs> well, well, I get sick every year. What's that? Well, well what's happening? It's gotta be a virus, right? It's funny when you when you first said that I thought you meant like the fall of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of both, but uh, to simplify it, I guess the question's more about our flu season as humans. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is you know um, kind of what I uh, theorize from my observations, and this is really based in the the truth, right? That we are part of nature. And there's a, you know, a principle um, in reasoning uh, called the principle of correspondence, right? Where when you see patterns in nature, normally these can exist on different scales, right? On the micro and the macro scale, right? Just like the model of, atom, of the atom looks like the model of the solar system, even if those aren't proven models, right? You see one is tiny and one is big. So we look at nature and nature has cycles, now we know even our bodies are part of this, right? We have our sleep and wake cycle, for example, right? Our hormones also have different cycles, right? Like our uh, uh, cortisol uh, peaks in the early hours of the morning, right? Uh, uh, giving rise to the dawn effect of our blood sugar, for example. Um, we also can uh, burn glycogen when we wake up. Uh, in the morning, you know, we're drowsy at night. Um, and then out in nature, of course, we have the seasonal patterns, right? And, and all of the flora and fauna of nature observe those patterns. We also have, of course, the moon and the sun cycles, right? And, and of course, the, uh, the astrological cycles, right? The, the different constellations, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? So this is in every aspect of nature, you know, both living and uh, the material non-living elements of the world. So when we look at illness, 
we also see seasonal cyclic patterns. And the, the cold and flu season, right, which we call the cold and flu season for a reason, because it occurs, right, predictably at a certain time of the year, is something that is a normal seasonal pattern of nature, just like the leaves falling off the trees. So we see, for example, right, just a little bit before cold and flu season strike usually is when the leaves start turning colors and then falling off, right? We call it the fall, uh, another word for autumn, uh, based on this observation. Now, if you go into the forest where this happens, right, if you live in, uh, nor far north enough, you'll see that, you know, one tree after another, and in fact, there's waves of it, right? Different species of trees, one after the other, uh, the aspens, the maples, etc. Um, and we can observe this pattern every time. Now, we never, you know, uh, look at that and say, oh my gosh, there must be a virus spreading around, causing all those leaves to fall off, right? We know that this happens because of the change in the weather due to the pattern of the sun, right? The cyclical pattern of the sun where it gets further away and the days get colder. And interestingly, just like the upper, the airway uh, in our bodies, right? The nose, mouth, throat, and lungs, right? Where the gas exchange occurs. The leaves of the trees is also in the plants that in the trees, that's where the gas exchange occurs for them. So it's like their respiratory system and on the bottom of their leaves there are little holes called stoma or stomata and that's where the co2 their food right comes in in the form of air um, and the sun shines there and it helps uh you know convert that into sugar and this is uh right how uh, plants uh, grow and uh, and breathe so their respiratory organ essentially falls off right, um, in this part of the year, because it, all of the pollutants in the air, right, which some may be natural, like just dust particles and things like that from the soil, but also the industrial ones, they gum up those little holes in the leaves, right, and essentially uh, make it harder for the leaf to function over time. So when it sheds the leaves, it's kind of like an air filter change and it'll go dormant right through the winter and then the new leaves will grow and they'll have brand new respiratory organs on them so it'll be able to maximize its intake of the right you know gases from the air so now compare this to what happens when we enter cold and flu season well it predictably occurs when the temperature and humidity drop in the in the late fall early winter um, and this has, you know, been shown with data. It's actually extremely uh, well correlated to drops in humidity, specifically. So there's a seasonal cue that sets off this pattern, right? And then we see, you know, not just uh, men and women in our area near us, but like all over, you know, the country kind of start to get sick. And you can look at the national data, you can look at it internationally in other countries that follows this pattern. Uh, pretty much everywhere. And what are we having is we're having our respiratory organs be affected, right? And what are they doing? They're purging. So we have the production of mucus and which sloughs, there's basically damaged tissue, right? From all the stuff in the air all year round because our nose and throat and the rest of our airway is filtering 
out that air, so just leaving, you know, the oxygen uh, for our body. And, you know, in, in studies where they actually measure your, your breath outward, right, they can find hundreds of chemicals, poisonous chemicals, right, industrial ones, uh, etc., that your, your body has filtered out in the airway and now it's getting rid of out of your body. So every, you know, if you are exposed to a lot of these things and, and you don't clean out this filter proactively, right, once a year or perhaps even more, your body is going to initiate this filter change, right? And what's it going to do? It's going to essentially wash it by secreting all this stuff that's going to irrigate and get rid of all the particles that are built up on there, right? Just like you would do with your uh, home heating filter or your cabin filter in your car or the dehumidifier filter that you got to clean out. Otherwise, it gets gummed up and stops working. So everything kind of about these two uh, phenomenon really kind of matches up and, and serves a clear restorative uh, purpose in the natural cycles. And we don't need to invent uh, imaginary uh, microscopic bugs to explain anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a beautiful explanation. I could never explain it like that. Um, uh, what I take from that uh, to my audience is pretty much, I could be wrong, but no matter who you are, no matter how healthy you are, it's generally natural that once a year you're going to have some sort of fall, some sort of cleansing, right? Um, and I think what the mainstream media and the powers that be, they know what time it is. They know exactly what's coming, the flu season or whatever you want to call it. Um, where all human beings are going <laughs> to be breaking down in their system and feeling bad. So that's why it was right around that same time that they said there's a new virus in China. And they knew that uh, people were going to be getting this illness, no matter what, who, when, or where, you're going to have a, a sickness. And I think because of the human brain, not only the, the mainstream media brainwashing them, um, trying to brainwash all of us. It didn't work for a lot of people, but they, they tried their hardest to get you scared beforehand. And then once you felt a little ill, which you were going to feel ill without the news that day, okay? It's a normal thing every year. But what happens is when it's tied in mentally to what they're telling you on the TV, now you become a mental midget in the sense where you feel something, even some phlegm, and you're like, oh my God, I have COVID. Oh my God, I got to put a bubble around me because you're paying attention to this narrative. When if you never had a TV, if you were an Amish family and you never had a TV, um, you still would have had your, your flu that day, but you would have moved on the next day. There'd be no bubbles. There'd be no doctor visits. Uh, it'd be just like old times where someone brings you soup. But as we see in the last three or four years, no one's bringing anybody soup in terms of normal society. Um, they're, they don't even want to deliver it. They just want to stay away from grandma and stay away from mom and dad. Um, and as you could tell, obviously, you're, you're one to, I'm preaching to the choir, but this was an entire psyop in, uh, that they hijacked, in my opinion, at the same time as the flu season, no? Because it was right around right around the November, right, when they started mentioning China virus, and then right through December and January is what kind of went and went all in. Um, is that a coincidence, Doc, or is that them planning um, their attack at the right time? Well, you know, I think, first of all, you can look back further than this example and find many, many times when 
essentially diseases were renamed, relabeled, or separated into new categories um, in order to serve some other purpose, right? That it didn't, it had nothing to do with observing what's occurring in nature and saying, oh my God, something, something has changed in nature, <laughs> uh, right? It's quite, it's quite different. And it, of course, um, you can actually find evidence of various meetings because the public health officials um, long, for many years, right, were unhappy that people didn't take the flu very seriously, right? They didn't believe they didn't take flu shots not only because they actually don't work but also because they said oh the flu is not that serious what do i need you know to go out of my way for you know it's just it's just a bad cold right that's most people's understanding of the flu is just a, it's a bad cold so they you know had this problem they wanted to give uh, widespread immunization uh, but people didn't take it seriously. So by creating a, a psychological operation um, and exploiting this, uh, of course, you could have a lot different outcome. And, and you know, they, they did clearly, I mean, obviously relabel the flu uh, during those couple of years because the, the case, the number of flu cases in the records just disappeared practically. And so it's kind of obvious. But Interestingly, it wasn't just the flu that they relabeled. Yeah, they car accidents, cancer, yeah. <laughs> you name exactly. it. Exactly, heart disease, yeah. uh, many other things. Um, now, not, not they didn't completely disappear as much as the flu did, but they, you know, cancer uh, and heart disease dropped considerably. Right now, I mean, now if you if you believed everything and just looked at that, maybe you would say this is a good thing. It's saving people from heart heart attacks. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some folks out there that felt that way. You know, uh, COVID is cardioprotective. So, <laughs> so, you know, so it, it and of course they use statistical models, computer models, um, not, you know, real uh, actual evidence to try to drive home some of the points in this operation. But we can see, you know, it was it was very convenient to already have those numbers and then use fear, changing hospital protocols, things like that to enhance the severity and mortality, essentially kill people with experimental poison drugs uh, or euthanasia, uh, but make it look like there's a new disease and you're trying to save their life. Yep. Uh, well, to me, they were successful in a sense. Now, hear me out. They were successful in a sense because, you know, we all witnessed it. We all witness, whether it's our peers, our family, our friends, acquaintances, enemies. I hope you don't have any, but it, we all witness people during those first, especially that first six month period, just freak out. They had no clue what to do. They had no, they had no idea who to listen to. There weren't that many people like us in the beginning stages speaking out. If they were, it was very, it was not, I wouldn't say even more censored than now. I think even now is worse, but it, it wasn't being put out there and it wasn't being taken seriously. I'm sure you, like me in the beginning stages, were screaming at people that this is a psychological operation. I think I sniffed it out from day one. I'm sure you did. I'm sure many of us did what they were going to do. I mean, event 201 is a prime example of them planning something and not only that but you know in fluvid 19 which i want to thank you for letting me feature you in 
Um, but in Fluva 19, I put uh, that part of Fauci and I believe 2018 or 29, early 2019, when he was up there speaking about influenza. And he was saying that the American people are not scared of influenza yeah. and they have to do a better job. This is Fauci talking. This is something that is 10 years in the making. If it works perfectly, it's gonna take a decade. And and that's where the federal government comes in. <laughs> well, yeah, no, seriously. With all your money. Yeah. No, seriously. Are you afraid of the flu? Don't bother me. I mean, that's the reality of how people perceive flu. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza, and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way, because you do need both. They have to do a better job of basically scaring us that influenza is bad. So they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they shove it down our right, throat. Right. And which is what they did. Coronavirus is a flu. They, they didn't want to call it influenza. They knew they had no credit with them. A new influenza. Oh, turn the TV off. Boring. So coronavirus. Ooh, what's this? Even though most people, I don't know why. It's like they never heard of it before. It's like, I heard of coronavirus. It's the flu. But I think what happened, Doc, I could be wrong. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, I saw even the masses, even the one that, that, you know, they go out to buy their face mask on week one, when they were looking at this from a different perspective, they were looking at it from, you know, kind of like, Hey, well, coronavirus isn't that big of a deal because of, I saw this everywhere. And these are from people that are not awakened souls. In my opinion, they were posting photos of the Lysol bottle. Now, these weren't just truthers doing it or whoever you want to call it, truth seekers. It was normal people in society that were like, well, you know, come over to my house. I'm having a barbecue. I'm just going to spray my house with Lysol kills coronavirus. So I think what happened was mainstream, the powers that be, whatever you want to call it. They saw that and go, oh, shit, this could backfire. We need to. We did all this to get to this point. We, no more. Don't say coronavirus again. We're going to call it COVID-19 from now on. We're going to remarket, reprogram, rebrainwash. Even though COVID-19 was already in the works, they already had this name and this plan. I'm not saying it was a new sporadic thing, but they stopped calling it coronavirus. It was like one day the media just said no more and they went full COVID-19. Now, is that a coincidence to you or is that something that maybe I am right where it did backfire in my opinion, it backfired where people weren't really that scared of a coronavirus. So they had to come in with something new call it COVID-19. Yeah. Well, I mean, they also remember compared it to SARS, uh, right. Which was supposedly, uh, quite serious. Um, so, you know, it, it, it could very well have been the case. I mean, there, there are other times, right, where uh, the name of something was changed um, and such. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that it was chosen to be a coronavirus particularly, too, which is, you know, not the only um, uh, virus that's alleged to cause, you know, alleged virus alleged to cause colds but that it refers to the crown, right? The corona. And so as if, and then, you know, now we have King Charles. So is there, is there a connection uh, there, you know, with the, with the royalty uh, of some sort that was uh, being hinted on by that terminology? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the crown 
because a lot of a lot of people look past and I'm not trying to put you in a corner to agree or disagree, but a lot of people look past Kobe Bryant and what that represented. Now, some people could say that was a random accident. I get it, and I'm not I'm not against those people that think that, but you know, he was all about that corona tattoo, okay? The the crown. It's a corona crown. They 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 shoved it in every it, for me it was a form of soft disclosure of what's coming the crown is dead the king you know it's like and they always showed the crown tattoo it was like this crown tattoo people were holding signs of the crown tattoo it was like kobe and then what happened in between there george floyd they wanted everybody angry and then boom they got everybody by the balls now um for this complete attack on humanity so i look at it from this perspective man um and before we get over to rockfin to get even more uncensored because it's i might have to bleep a few things out of this youtube version so sorry in advance guys if you're watching and you hear censored beeps i want to stay on youtube so i'm sorry but uh, let me ask you this this is what we'll end with on the youtube version because it's very hard to, to to bounce around terminologies but for my audience you know they say that this this kovi what is it the kovi virus or the kovi whatever it's called they they say that there's a virus out there that is it, there's a wave in china and it's spreading through the world and stay in your house that's not even possible and i don't even i don't even see how people think it's possible that whether it's uh, they think the theory of a lab leak like some evil scientist is like oh man i oh something leaked and now the government and bill gates and all these pre-planned propaganda pieces that they already knew this was coming they have to sit there and wait for it to spread naturally, even though that's impossible, but it's just a point. They have to wait for it to spread naturally and hope that everybody's fucked. That doesn't make any sense to me. So for me, I rule that out completely, that there's some lab leak. Um, and obviously, yeah, I, I mean, it's hilarious that it came from a bat to begin with. That's already, that's been squashed. Um, <laughs> you can't find it in nature. You can't isolate something. You have to isolate it in nature and then say, look what we have. And then we go from there. That's never happened, guys. So they're just basically saying there's a new thing, a new thing. You might have it. Go get tested with a flu test. It's a whole psyop piece that they want you to just blindly believe. Um, but when you put the pieces together of this puzzle, it's so obvious that every single piece of this agenda was planned, predetermined, and executed with, the, with, the, with your life, the, the human public, not in mind. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, let me also just kind of uh, back up that e even if there was some lab created entity that spread around and made people sick, well, we'd, we'd have to, we'd be able to find it, right? Because it would, it would actually be something that exists in a material sense in the world, right? It's a, it's a particle, an infectious particle or a capsule or you know, tiny little ball or whatever. It's not, it's not a magic spell, right? Or a, a lightsaber or anything like that. It's an actual physical thing. So, you know, really what I'm saying is that the, there's no evidence of any physical things, natural or man-made, uh, that have made us sick. And in fact, even without going to that step, right? Because you mentioned, right, that it would, uh, there would have to be a pattern of it spreading from person to person, like contagion. 
Well, contagion has been well studied scientifically, and it's been shown not to exist uh, in every situ in in every experiment, right? It's so it's essentially it's a dead uh, theory. It's been completely disproven using the actual scientific method. And if you look at the Spanish flu, for example which you know is said to spread now there are several experiments done in humans and in animals with the spanish flu patients showing that it doesn't there's no contagion whatsoever but also because you talked about it internationally now at that time right in 1918 there was no widespread uh, aviation right people didn't go on an airplane and to china all the time right now there were airplanes but they weren't uh, widely available. Um, you know, most people, if they traveled internationally, they had to go on a ship, right, which took quite a, a bit of time. So the timing of when people got the Spanish flu in different locations, w w there was no possible way they could have traveled <laughs> from one place to the ex next at that time and made someone else sick there, right? So. So you could look at that data also, I'm sure, for you know COVID, and uh, find the same thing that it's actually impossible. Uh, yeah. get, you know, just follow their their guidelines of what they say, how yeah. long it takes. Yeah, and I think uh, it's 2023 now. We're heading into 2024. I think by this point, um, if if this is something that you realize, you're never going to get it. I mean. Uh, I've never seen such a constructed sigh up in my life, man. I mean, you know, there, there's, and we're going to go over a rock fin soon. So maybe we could talk about some other psyops in the world, but, um, this one was well, it was well constructed. It just, I feel like they did a lazy job in terms of like, when you see it all and you're like, wait, that's kind of lazy. That's kind of, they did a lazy way to do this and they, they didn't prove anything. They didn't isolate anything. They didn't need right. to, they didn't need to cause they had yeah. well, celebrities and politicians and they had so many people well packaged, ready to go to say, I mean, look at Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was like week one. Now, of course, who are yeah. we going to put in the limelight? We better put him before his reputation's ruined soon. So put him out there. Look, I have COVID. Uh, yeah, just get your, you know, I'm uh, just really sick right now. It's like, come on. It, it was so obvious. I go, Tom Hanks is first. Oh, my gosh. So for me, it was. Well, you're right, Sean. I mean, because mo most people around the world, they, they haven't looked into anything whatsoever. They just, you know, got their information from the TV, the, you know, the pop culture celebrities and didn't look further right and they they you know kind of dismiss folks like us as heretical and censored and made sure that the voices weren't even heard i mean if that's not a red flag to again you could be sitting there being like well i believe dr fauci i believe um the president i believe all these health experts on on television why would they lie to everybody it's like granted that's how you've been brainwashed your whole life to think that these people are not lying to you but how many times have they been caught in a lie it's like for me one time once like nasa you got one glitch or one harness like well you have a harness in the iss okay i'm writing that up now you don't have to write off all nasa but you definitely have to write off the iss at that point and then go from there right it's the same thing once i start seeing tom hanks and uh just the obamas like and then especially when, when the again we can't really get into this but when the came into play it was hardcore attack mainstream commercials 
infomercials, advertising, promoting, which is illegal to do, by the way. And they just fucking did it. So um, and I try, and I did wake some people up just based on that. Like, look at the look at the red flags here. Look at all this propaganda and think when's the last time you heard of this type of propaganda for an immunization? Well, who would care about that? That's a personal thing. You're not even supposed to really tell people you're if you're immunizing, that's private. It's supposed to be supposed to be private, just like your Republican Democrat who you voted for. That's supposed to be private. They want that out. They want to uh, diversify everybody so they know who's who and who's doing what and what they can do to drive their agenda. But uh, I have so many things I want to say and I'm biting my lips. So uh, thank you for joining us on the Hitler Effect YouTube edition. Please head over to Rockfin right now. Thank you, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Let's head over there now. See you there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hibbler Effect. Uh, thank you for coming over from YouTube. If you just joined us, if you're already here on Rockfin, then let's rock, okay? All right. So we're not a globe. No, just kidding. I'm not going to start you off with that. <laughs> but I do want to ask you one thing real quick. Just your overall opinion. We all have opinions. Everybody has an opinion. It's okay. What's your opinion? I, have you ever went down the rabbit hole of the space agency psyops, the, the fraudulent tax schemes they've been doing on humanity, the moon mission tax schemes, the, the satellite fuckery, you know, they're all on balloons apparently. So it's like, have you went down these rabbit holes? Have you, are you about this truth in this world for humanity or are you kind of in the middle? Where, where are you, where do you lay with this? Cause obviously this is not a topic to be ridiculed anymore. If it was 2014, I'd be like, you might want to bite your lip on this one, but not anymore. So I wanted to ask you how you felt about it all. Well, let, let me uh, kind of uh, go there by telling you how I uncovered that viruses aren't actually real. That'd be great. Because really what I'm doing here is, is a, a number of things. So one, one is that I'm putting aside assumptions. And I'm, I have to put aside what I've been taught earlier in my life because I came to a point and, you know, I wasn't always like this. Like I always wanted to understand things and how things work. And I always noticed that certain things did not add up or make sense or reconcile with each other, right? But I didn't really start um, questioning things that are you know, especially medicine, right? I was trained in conventional medicine, an MD, I was on the faculty, um, you know, and I observed through my own experience, right? Not just reading scientific uh, studies, but that, that helped too, but my own experience, right? That the patients weren't getting better do using psychiatric medications. I was practicing principally psychiatry at that time, right? But I, earlier in my career, I'd seen the patients didn't get better with chemotherapy, right? When I practiced in Another cancer. Another rabbit hole. Oh yeah. So I realized through this that my own observation um, has to validate what knowledge that I get, you know, through a book or a, pay or a study or some other uh, means that I have to kind of reconcile uh, these things, right? And uh, sometimes that's difficult because when you're talking about germs, right, they're microscopic. So you, can, you, you have to use a tool 
um, to observe them. But there are many, you know, that really helped me looking at microscope images saying, oh, this, there's no evidence that tells you in this image what this particle is. It could be anything, right? Oh, it probably comes right from the cell itself uh, because that's where it is. So that helped me, you know, figure out the piece of the puzzle. So if you want to, you know, understand um, the cosmology of the earth, for example, right? Which, which is fundamental because, you know, we have to have a basic understanding of where we are and everything else is derived from that, right? And because, and because of the law of correspondence, which I mentioned earlier in part, right, that we're using that as a model for understanding other things. So it's got to be accurate. And if you simply just observe um, around, you'll see that um, it's not consistent with what we're told. So here, here's a great example, because my, my kids um, were originally in a private, like Montessori school, um, and uh, which, you know, I thought was uh, going to do a much better job than the public indoctrination system. And they, you know, my son, when he was uh, one of his first big reports, like, a, you know, that he had to write was uh, based on the planets. Always. So, okay, so he was assigned one of the planets, right? Now, um, so we had this, these books that he brought home from like the school library. And it said in there, right, that they knew the shape of the planet, what it was made of, like that it had a core and these things. And I'm like thinking, how the heck could they know that? They didn't like drill into the planet and take out material and say what it's made of, right? So I was, I was perplexed. So, so we were in Florida. We went to an observatory at a local university there that the grandparents uh, had the idea of bringing us to. And I volunteered, they were gonna, we were gonna look at the moon under high magnification, which was, was really cool. And of course, you know, what, what is the moon? Why do we only see one side of it? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and many other, other questions. But so I was up there with a, like, uh, a postdoc, PhD, uh, astronomy or astronomer, astrophysicist, helping her set up the microscope while the kids were down there with the main professor kind of talking. Uh, and I asked her, I said, oh, you know, in my kid's book, it says, you know, the planet uh, Neptune is made of this as this core or whatever. I'm like, how do they know that? So she's like, oh, it's just a, a theory based on the sun, the star that supernova that let that that eventually formed the, the planets and the solar system. <laughs> That we can see that it, that the star had these elements in it. It had iron and hydrogen and nitrogen. And so we just assumed the planets must have been made of those things. <laughs> and do a book and now do a book report on it and right? get back to it. So, and now we're gonna grade no, no, you. No. On it. Well, in the book it just says it's made of this. Like it's a fact, it's a well-determined fact. It doesn't say, you know. Um, scientists uh, theorize based on bond, you know, the 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 material that that a star uh, which exploded was made from that the planet, <laughs> right? So and even the Earth structure, right? That we say they say that right. There's the mantle, the crust, the core, and you know the deepest hole ever done, right? Back. Right. It's not even through the crust. Well, yeah, seven point eight miles, I believe, and um, right. They, well, they found an impenetrable. They can't. They, that's the end. They, they they said they're done. They they can't get through. 
So how do they know the next 4,000? <laughs> exactly. And because that, you know, the, that's only still the outer layer that in the, the model that's in these geology textbooks. Yeah. Like Dave Weiss right, always so. says the apple, we all know the inside of the apple is the core, right? Um, but that's like, they barely got through the first layer of the skin of the apple. And they're like, oh, no, there's, there's a core in there. It's like, well, you exactly. didn't get through the skin. <laughs> and you know how they say that they know what's below that is uh, through um, essentially putting, uh, I'm, I can't remember if it's radar or sonar waves, and having them interact, like putting them at different points on the earth and having them triangulate with each other, right? But that's not a direct method. That's like fingerprints and shadows. It's like seeing the shadow of something and then saying what it is based only on observing the shadow, never observing the thing itself, right? It's, it's an inference. Yeah. And, and whenever you use an inference, then that it can only be theoretical. It, it only can be hypothetical. It has to always be confirmed. You, can't, you need direct evidence of yeah. such a thing, right? They don't and have any of that. Yeah. They don't have it, but yet they say these things. Now, you can also talk about um, the issue of the earth moving. Or the lack thereof. <laughs> right, because you have to um, look into the Michelson-Morley experiment, um, which is, you know, a, an experiment that's been repeated thousands of times um, and gives the same results every time. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's no some, movement. Yeah. Exactly, that, that there's no movement. And, you know, this is partly, I think, why Einstein uh, or how he became famous was that he figured out a, a mathematical trick to reinterpret that experiment uh, such that it, it says the Earth is moving. <laughs> now, we all, we all have opinions on Einstein, but here, here's my mind quickly. He was a fraud. He was, he was not chosen based off of knowledge, expertise, a randomness he was chosen he was hand selected if you watch his interviews or lack thereof uh he's reading cue you cannot find that man speaking without cue cards without a script handed to him from who knows was who was in charge then probably the same bloodlines as now but they hand selected him and after he started to kind of um i would say lose the limelight um they quickly 1920 they brought in George Lemaitre, um, who I feel as if uh, Einstein passed the torch to, not scientifically necessarily, but in terms of this overall theory of the ball earth is because uh, he was losing credibility in his studies. He couldn't really hold his own in, in conversations. So they had to move on from him. And George Lemaitre here, here uh, they were losing a lot of people during that time because of this globular bullshit. Uh, the public schools in America specifically were fighting it. They didn't want to teach their kids this. 1920 brought in the Board of Education from John D. Rockefeller, and it brought in George Lemaitre's uh, brand new theory, never, never mentioned a day before that day, but a Big Bang theory was from the, the Catholic priest, uh, George Lemaitre, who, they, who I feel they brought in because most of the uh, – people back then they knew the earth was a stationary plane and they were trying to convince the masses otherwise so they said hey man a lot of these people are religious you know they're they're back in these bibles and they're like no it's not in here so what can we do and i felt like strategically they picked a priest to say look this guy's holy this guy's you know 
Catholic. He's religious. He's not a scientist like us. He's not government. He's a scientist. And look what he's saying. We came from a big bang. And this all happened in 1920. It was like the, the year of this is the way it's going to be from now on. And I think John D. Rockefeller really put his foot down because if you're not going to sell, uh, if you're not going to promote his books and his teachings in your establishment, you're not going to be funded by him either. So you're eventually going to close that, which is what happened. You can't get free lunches now. You can't get free books for all this thing. Oh, I want free books. I want free lunches for our children. Well, here's our educational books, which we still have today. It hasn't changed. Um, so yeah, I, well, look at, I, I think, uh, yeah. you know, Sean, that is an extremely important point you bring up because um, big. So this is true with with medicine. Like the way that the medical system was changed in the United States was through this Same. infiltration of the educational system, yeah. right? Because um, most don't know that actually medicine in the United States was uh, was predominantly naturopathic and homeopathic. Yeah. Petroleum base um, was Rockefeller's hands, as you know. Yeah, yeah. There were you know there there were no no pharmaceutical drugs or surgery right for for uh, most of the medicine and. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Rockefeller and others together uh, conspired to essentially issue the Flexner Report, which changed over the education system and only uh, accredited allopathic institutions that were teaching the Rockefeller brand of medicine. And then over time, Rockefeller was able to have people on the board of directors of all those educational institutions and influencing the curriculum. Uh, so that it could be guided and limited to, you know, support this big enterprise. And the same thing was true. And also with Rockefeller being one of the big uh, players with the, you know, public school and compulsory education, which hadn't been instituted in the United States for very long. Of course, it was based on um, the, the Prussian model. But um, in this case, like, so finding, you know, young professors who are, are writing propaganda about history, uh, but in the right vein, and then kind of encouraging them and then adopting their books as the standard and offering them all kinds of fellowships. And, you know, there, if, if for example, if you go and look at um, history textbooks that were used in schools from the 1800s or even the early 1900s, and then compare them to shortly after, like, you know, the mid mid 20th century, you'll see that history is different. It's been rewritten. It doesn't match up. Nope. Um, and, uh, you know, that is the how this um, a lot of this can come about of, you know, changing uh, the common knowledge and beliefs, um, including about germ theory. Yeah, I think I think 1920 was the year of everything, everything changing um, in our society and our and our schools, uh, the way people are influenced. And then shortly after they had a radio come out to 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 uh, help force that indoctrination and these ideas on the on the masses, the AM radio came out. And then uh, obviously the early stages of televisions came out. CIA got those going to make sure that every single person and you know here's my theory on the television set because my grandpa used to in chicago before he, he passed at 98 years old uh back in 2016 he passed but he uh after he retired he spent his days uh driving around chicago especially the poor poor neighborhoods 
and he'd pick up television sets that people were throwing out. So in the, you know, in the middle of the street, they'd find 20 a day. They'd bring them back to my grandpa's basement, him and his buddies that would do this for the community. And he'd fix them all by hand and then give them to the back out to the poor that didn't have any television sets, which I'm kind of against. I'm like, grandpa, you're indoctrinating them. But I didn't know. But it's the point I was trying to make is he always told me that color TVs were out way before the public had them and that different technology was already out. And he never really spoke in detail, nor did I understand. I was like 12 when I'm asking him, you know, so I I didn't have the mindset I did not wish I fucking did. Uh, I had to get a lot of shit out of him. Um, But it's the point I'm trying to make that I feel like they had a strategy of the the original TV sets, just like when we had the first HD TV sets, they're four grand for this big box, right? And you're like, I'm not fucking buying that shit. I'll I'll wait till the price comes down. They do that on purpose. They set up those those first sets of televisions, very expensive for those times. Only the rich can get them, right? And they put it on a pedestal where the poor or the middle class go, God, I wish I can get that. I w- one day I'll be able to afford that. And so what they do is they 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 tease them with it. You, one day you might be able to get one of these. For now, only the rich, only the privileged, fuck off until then. And then they do this price trap like they always do. Either half or more than half, just boom, this manufacturing, all these companies say, hey, you know, now you can get, because now you can get a flat screen on the wall for 300 bucks. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, a 60 inch for, for 300 bucks. What the fuck? It's because they want the poor and the middle class to worship it. I wish, I wish I can have one. I wish it builds that like, oh, and one day I will, oh, look, they're only, you know, I don't know how much it was back then, but you know, they're only a hundred dollars now opposed to this 800 they were, I don't know, but it's just the point of now everybody can afford them. And now they say, Hey, we got free cable. Now we have free packages, low packages. They, I think it was a game plan where they knew that if, if the people were begging for it and they finally got it, they're even more invested They're they're going to worship that thing that they were praying for for the last two years or something. And now they're staring at it every day, being programmed from here on out with the original programming, the, the main one, in my opinion. I'm, I'm sure there's others. I'm sure there's tons. But it was the moon landings. It was what's to come. You know, the moon missions, the moon mission. They have fifth, almost 15 years of programming the country before they went up there okay 15 years walt disney had his hand in there from day one so did warner von braun the nazi trader so you got all and probably kubrick i don't know but you got all these people that come in in the beginning stages of what can we you know we can't just fake a moon landing tomorrow we have to program everybody um to believe this shit. and to be honest walt disney's moon documentary um i forgot what it's called it's really popular just type in walt disney moon documentary and the name comes up but that was released way before NASA even pretended that they were going to go up there. I don't even think they were exi- they didn't exist yet, in my opinion. But they were programming people that were going to the moon for so long that when it actually ha- happened, right, as bad as it looked, I know it looks really bad to us now when we watch it, but back then, eh, kind of believable, maybe, you know. But what people don't understand is there was a lot of people back then that were like, that's some bullshit right there. And they were so, silenced. They were silenced. Okay. There was no yeah. YouTube then. They were silenced. They weren't being interviewed. They weren't being taught to. There was an old guy, I forgot his name. He was like 120 years old, some 130, crazy old guy, African American. And he was on live TV after one of the moon missions. 
And uh, I'll pull this up uh, uh, later on in post, but um, this guy was asked live on TV his thoughts on the moon landing because he's the oldest man in the world, okay? And he was very angry to be on TV. And he finally is just like, this is all bullshit. Like, we're, ain't nobody going to no moon. And they're like, oh, no, did he just say that on live TV? And he's just like, and they're trying to like feed him into it. And he just keeps, nope, nope. Ain't nobody going there. Y'all lying. And he, he, they were not expecting that. That's one of my favorite live interviews of all time. Because it, it shows how mad people were that this was going to continue to roll. And even the news anchor at that same moment when it went back to the newsroom because they cut, you know, hey, we're back to the news. Even that guy at that moment was like, you know, it's not really surprising that he feels that way. A lot of people feel that way. And they're like getting into like, they just covered the sixth or fifth or sixth moon mission to the world. And the anchor himself is replying to this interviewee going, yeah, you're not that crazy, man. A lot of people think that way. And I talk to people all the time. This news anchor is, I'm sure he was fired the next day. But um, for me, looking up was their main goal in the indoctrination the start of, of radios and televisions. It was about space. This is their tool for everybody. Um, and those old footages of anything NASA did was hilarious. We look at them now, but back then, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying like, <laughs> you're not that old, but you might've known people back then that watched that live, that type of vibe. What, did you hear any stories back then of people that thought it was bullshit or were you told that everyone believed that back then? Because that was a crucial time, especially in this country in the 50s. Well, listen, I was uh, already an adult the first time I ever heard someone be uh, skeptical of, of the moon landings, but it, it goes back before TV because you have to remember uh, Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds was done mm. on radio, mm. right? And also look in, you know, the beginning of science fiction, is a big part of this predictive programming story that you're talking about, about space and aliens, and, yeah. and also really about accepting future technology, right? Um, you know, birthing babies in factories, like in Brave New World, uh, cyborgs and uh, robots and artificial intelligence, right? Which goes back, uh, you know, at least as early as Asimov. So, so there's a lot um, uh, really, uh, to look at it, it's very rich. But in terms of when you are watching a video uh, of something, right, that of something that's extraordinary, but something that's ex also extraordinarily fake, you have to realize, and I really learned this from my firsthand experience, but then, then looked into some of the origins of it um, after the fact uh, with the George Floyd video, because the first time I watched the George Floyd video, right? Of course, I had an emotional response, right? And and of and you know, like I've seen police act aggressive. I in fact, I've been a jail psychiatrist, so I've seen prison guards be aggressive and that's not surprising, right? Um so I had a certain response that first time I watched it and when people watched the moon landings, right? They were they were watching it live, you know, with the Neil Armstrong quote and it was uh, exciting, but it was also like in the context of the Cold War and being in a competition with the Soviet Union. So there were lots of, you know, reasons. It's like us versus them, right? It's like your home team. Plus, you know, it's like a, a new frontier, right? I mean, it's pretty exciting. It's, you know, like discovering 
something that uh, you can see, but, but, you know, like you actually be there now, you know, like, uh, so it's pretty amazing. And all those emotions um, flavor the way that you see that and interpret it. I just right? don't see and how back, hold on real quick. I don't see how back then that people could be that gullible. You could be gullible to believe the footage is real. That's fine. It's all grainy and shit. But to be that gullible to say, hey, look, the President Nixon is on the phone with someone on the moon from a landline and there's no delay. I, don't, I, I, I just can't fathom. Well, you know, people don't understand technology, so they just assume, right, that, oh, that's some kind of, uh, you know, electronic Secret, like, uh, radar, <laughs> you know, telecommunications, radio waves. I mean, radio waves supposedly travel at the speed of light, right? The moon is uh, less than a light year away. <laughs> Supposedly. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, well, what about, the, you know, if you if you think about it and ask more specifically and look at more details, obviously a, a million things can come up. I mean, what what about that supposed, you know, asteroid belt or or the uh, band Van of radiation? Radiation belt, yeah, right, the, Van, Van, right. I always say Van Halen, but Van Allen. <laughs> Van Allen, right. So, I mean, you know, that is supposedly uh, an impossibility, right? But they just kind of explain it away or, you know, well, it's there's a fancy so many, name for so tomorrow field. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just like with the George Floyd video, like once you watch that a few more times and scrutinize it, you're like, oh, wow. Well, nothing, nothing glad, is, uh, is what it seems in this video. Right. I'm glad you brought that up, Doc, because I have made two films on that topic. One was called Psychological Operation, and um, that film was mainly towards my rabbit holes involved in that theory of George Floyd and a cop and all this shit. None of that's real, in my opinion, and I, I broke it down as it was a Masonic, um, um, a t uh, you know, psyop. It was, it was, it was, it was Masons involved in the entire psyop they had a drill a week before um i had a lot of angles with george soros too in there and it, it was more conspiratorial let's call it and then i made a film with a director called mariam hanin she made a film called vanishing of the bees on netflix and that got taken off netflix quickly and she's been censored and banned even paypal banned her everyone banned her uh, ever since that film so she did not have an editor to work on this george floyd project which is called the real timeline which is streaming on, I believe, My Movies Plus, and it will be on Rockfin soon, guys. But I was the editor of that because she had no one to, to help produce or edit the film. Nobody wanted to join her because of what she found. They were very nervous. She had a lot of footage, CCTV, from that day that no one, and I, when I say no one, nobody has seen, okay? And I got a little nervous by watching. I'm like, where the fuck did you find this shit? Oh, shit. And I, you know, I'm so addicted to truth that I'm just, I'm all in. I'm all in. I went all in on that. Because, dude, there's footage of the Asian cop is my favorite part of that film. The Asian cop, Tu Tao or Tao Tu, whatever his name is. He, now, granted, paint the picture. George Floyd's already on the, on the ground. Knees already on the neck. Three cops are surrounding him but there's no one in frame. It's the Asian cop in the middle of the street. They have the wide angle. The Asian cops in the middle of the street looking around and then he goes like this. And as soon as he goes like this, seven pedestrians come close with their phones to film. 
get the fuck out of here. That's orchestrated. And again, that's one little piece of that film, man. And it blow, it will blow your mind because what we did is we did is why it's called the real timeline. It's just the second body camera, the, the, any CCTV is on to the end of his death. I don't know if, if he died or not, I wasn't there, but it, it's from the second one to, to the last second. It's a timeline of all body cams orchestra, uh, synch- synchronized uh, with her narrating and us showing stuff in between. But I'll tell you, man, we got George Floyd dancing in the middle of the street before the event started. We got him and his buddy looking where they were going to be doing it, looking, scoping. Oh, we're going to do it here, maybe there. They're on the block looking around, dancing, like getting ready. It's it's. It goes deeper than even my first film was more, again, conspiratorial. This is no conspiracy involved. You get to see everything. You get to hear George Floyd say things like this. Um, I, I, I'm afraid that when it goes off on me that I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stop breathing. I'm scared. But what are you talking about? You're getting arrested for a fake bill. Why are you telling the police that you're scared that when it, when it goes off on you, that you might, you know, you might, you might die. You might, you, and he also says stuff like, I can't breathe. I'm, I'm, oh, he goes, I can't choke. I mean, I can't breathe, Mr. Officer. It's like he's messing his lines up during everything. And then they're holding him until Chauvin comes, the, the main cop, right? Who was never a police before that, but th- they were holding him. You would think with the racism in the police force, especially because they wanted to keep that whole scene racist to begin with. That's the point of it. But, they're going to give him that long. It was like 15 minutes of him arguing back and forth. Well, I'm not going to go in the car. Well, yeah, you are. Well, I'm not going to go in. I'm, I'm claustrophobic. Can you turn the air on? Yeah, we'll turn the air on. Get in the car. Well, I don't want to. I just had COVID. Uh, they're just going back and forth for like 15 straight minutes. I'm sorry. No police, racist or not, no police is going to have a conversation with you, you fucking bum. You just, you know, you got fake bills. Get in the fucking car, man. We're not going to have this conversation. They're holding him. They're, they're stalling. You can see it. Waiting for Chauvin. And Chauvin walks up with this, like, like uh, this aura, like it's time. And he does this majestic walk down the street with his chest out. And then they start the process. And you just, again, I recommend everybody to go see the real timeline. It's, it's a phenomenal way to break down the PSYOP. I'm just glad you brought up George Floyd because I never talk about that or my films. I don't really talk about on, on my show, but you got to see that. I'll send it over to you if you don't mind. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't talk about it normally either, but it just yeah. seemed like uh, a good example. You know, uh, there is even real research on this. Like there's a study uh, that was done at Cornell University where they have a rope bridge. And the rope bridge is, uh, you know, a bit precarious and it gets your heart rate up, right? You get a little fear when... So what they did is that they walked uh, young men around the campus and they, they didn't tell them this was the purpose of the experiment, but they, they pointed out a girl and it was the same girl and they pointed her out not when you're on the rope bridge, when you're calm, and then when you're a little bit scared on the rope bridge. And the and then they ask you, you know, if she was good looking. And she is much more attractive when you're on the rope bridge and your heart rate is up and your your emotions have kicked in, right? And it's the same kind of effect that when, you know, you, if you see someone, you think they're being killed or uh, harmed, right? Or an amazing thing and the emotions kick in that 
your now your perception is altered. And this is also, you know, in eyewitness testimony um, studying, right? That uh, eyewitnesses are really not very accurate, um, especially, and their level of emotion is one of the big things that that um, affects the accuracy, in, you know, in a negative way. No, I yeah, I totally agree with that. Um... Yeah, but I, I'll I'll send it over to you so you can take a look. Because I, I, I feel as if everybody deserves an opportunity with any psyop or any rabbit hole to have a chance to see it from a different perspective. And so I, I'm I'm pretty confident I don't never have to touch that topic ever again in my life because I give you the deep rabbit hole Masonic George Soros type of vibe of you know, behind the scenes, you know, where they were hiring agents to come in and break windows at public store, you know, in stores, and then they leave. So the cops come and arrest everybody else. There's bricks are being just put in the middle of cities, brand new bricks. So everybody can throw them during it, it, That's more of the psychological operation. That's why I called it that. But the real timeline's a whole nother whole nother thing. I'll send you both actually. So, cause I know you have a conspir- conspiratorial mind where you can see it from my perspective, my immature, more perspective back then. It just, oh, everything's a psyop and look, look what I found. And, oh, so that's kind of the feel, but then I guess the, the real timeline's more of a calm, subtle, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you make of it what you make of it. It's, it's all there uncensored, unfiltered. It's crazy though, because Again, no one's ever seen some of this footage that Miriam Miriam got, and it's crazy. I don't know if she went to Minnesota or something and <laughs> paid people under the table for some CCTV. I don't know what she did, man, but she got some shit that it's it's insane. She's writing a book on it too. I hope that gets out soon. Um, but anyways, changing topics. Um, well, we you know, I don't want to keep it too much longer, but I do want to talk about the vaccines a little here. I, uh, obviously, my audience is well educated in this. I don't think anybody that watches my show is going to get jabbed, so that's why I don't really talk about them too much. It's like it's kind of an obvious thing. Um, but at the same time, have you found anything in the past year? Maybe anything recent? Any recent updates? Anything new that you have found with these jabs? Because obviously, over time, we see the ones that died suddenly, right? We see the ones that drop. We see the ones that are just having terrible health issues due to the vaccines who could be dropping soon, unfortunately. And then what I always say is that there's always a placebo. They always have to have a placebo where whether it's water in it, the shot, I don't know what it would be in terms of placebo, but it's something in there where, you know, one out of every three arms that we jab um, will not have any side effects. And I think they do that. I could be wrong, but I think they would do that. And it would be smart to do that for these pieces of shit to do that because then it's like, you know, in a family, you take one family, for example, half the family gets jabbed. Well, maybe grandma died right away. Maybe your aunt died right away, but your grandma dying is acceptable because she's old for some reason. Your aunt dying when you go to the doctor they will never tell you it's from the jab. Obviously, they will say that unfortunately she died from COVID. What are you going to do? And the family will believe it because of the television. Oh no! So it's a, it's it's compartmentalized already to say it wasn't the jab we gave her three weeks ago. It was just it's COVID, and they believe it. Right. And then the placebo, the uncle never gets sick. No, nothing. No no uh, you know um, blood clots. No nothing. No signs of anything. 
Am I wrong? I mean, would they strategic? Uh, I'm sorry, strategize. Yeah, so I, I have some um, some knowledge. So uh, I yes, was <laughs> uh, I had an associate who was um, essentially uh, provided a service for various nursing homes and uh, you know assisted living facilities, okay. and was telling me this story that uh, yeah, I mean, one of the facilities, right? When when they all jabbed all their residents that quite a number of them got really sick and many of them died, right? I mean, it was like kind of 20% numbers of, of the residents. Now they, you know, they have a lot of deaths, of course, anyway, over time, but not in a cluster clearly from this, right? But the leadership of the facility did not tell the families that, oh yeah, they, they all got jabbed, you know, a few days before this. Instead, what they said is that they admitted a super spreader to the facility who made everyone sick and they all died of COVID, right? Exactly um, how you describe. So, so this, you know, kind of stuff went on. I'm sure it was uh, quite per pervasive. But what you're saying about uh, the variability of the toxicity is, is actually well studied. So I believe the gentleman's name is uh, Craig Partacooper. Um, in the UK, and there may have been one or two other researchers who did this kind of analysis where they, they looked at some of the data that was out there and tried to look at the adverse events versus the lot number or the batch, right? Because these are made in batches, one batch at a time. And they could, it seemed that there was a large variation in toxicity between bat batches, that some batches were very toxic, others were no signs of toxicity at all. Like you said, perhaps some kind of uh, placebo. And you know, and it is important to do this uh, to hide the fact, right? If every single individual who got injected, you know, dropped dead or had seizures or blood clots or some other problem, then it, it would be obvious to everyone that that's the only possible cause, right? And but by spreading it out, not only by batch, but also geographically, right? Because you don't want uh, the situation either where, you know, there's like a vaccination clinic in St. Louis on the east side. And, you know, all of a sudden on the east side, everyone who went to that clinic drops dead. Uh, that would also be too, a little bit too obvious, uh, potentially. So you, so you have to kind of strategically spread these things out. Um, uh, geographically and, you know, and by sequential uh, shots or by batches or, you know, some other strategy in order to make it a little less obvious. And, you know, I think what's, what's really significant now, and we, you know, we don't really know the longer term effects. It's possible that there could be mortality and morbidity, you know, that's, that's quite delayed. Um, but uh, it may also be that we've already seen the brunt of the damage. But what comes from, you know, the insurance industry, and this was, you know, pointed out by a, a financial analyst. Um, uh, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, but he's been very vocal lately and really the only person to point this out, that uh, looking at um, death benefit claims for life insurance, that there's been a substantial increase, like a, a major event, like a hundred year event. And the, the people who have these life insurance policies are uh, generally employees of Fortune 500 companies. So these are, you know, educated, middle class people who have much better health outcomes 
than you know people who are not working in Fortune 500 companies. So the fact that there is this major mortality among these, and these are working age people like 25 to 44 years old, mm. and that th this problem is so pronounced that it, it has actually caused a shortage in the labor supply. So all of the, you know, I mean, now he's the only one pointing this out and I've seen him on a, a couple of like finance shows, right? Where he says this, that, because what's happened is that one of the reasons why the the Fed is saying, oh, we're not really in a recession and other peop analysts are saying the economy hasn't been that bad is because there's been a low rate of unemployment. Now, if you think about that, right? Well, if a bunch of eligible workers died, right, it, then it would it would artificially appear that the unemployment rate was much lower, right? Because there aren't those, those potential employees aren't are dead, so they're not counted anymore, right? So this um, this guy's pointing this out on another show, and they're just glossing over it because he says, oh, you know, because of vaccine deaths. And then they just gloss over it and like change the subject uh, right away. So I think it's important to know, to realize that the um, amount of mortality from these on, on a grand international scale has had an impact on our demographics um, substantially. And this may still be, you know, felt uh, the repercussions uh, are not completely evident or at least not accepted yet so i think it's important uh you know uh to think about that yeah and I, well in terms of depopulation you know if i was the powers to be i would you know you give me three vaccines one would be died suddenly one would be you're going to get fucked up in the next few years right and the other one would be um a uh sterilization uh, because sterilization is going to really affect the population 10 20 years from now yeah so it, they could they could very well have the placebo we're, we're mentioning just be the sterilization one you want no side effects no blood clots no no heart attacks no strokes you ain't gonna have kids anymore you won't even notice it you're just done so i i feel like that's a possibility to, i couldn't keep that from them like they would actually have a water one I, maybe, but knowing them, no. I mean, they, they'd still want even that third jab. You know, say Pfizer is uh, died suddenly and Moderna is, um, you know, uh, blood clotting and um, your arteries are going to be fucked soon, depending on your current health and, and how you take care of yourself after you get it, I would assume. And then either the placebo could be a placebo or, you know, a sterilization because, you might not know, you know, you might not even want kids or you're in your forties and you already went past. I don't, I already have one kid and can't have any more. So a lot of those, half of those people won't even notice they're sterilized. They're not trying to reproduce the other half that wants to have children, whether they're in their early twenties, early thirties, early forties, even it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what age uh, they won't be able to. And at that point, especially with a lot of these doctors getting kickbacks on information, knowing yeah. Okay. Let me check your chart. Oh, you got Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. I know as a doctor, you can't have kids anymore because you got a Johnson and Johnson. But what I'll say is that, yeah, just, you know, you have something wrong with your uterus. They'll just make something up like they always fucking do is make something up. And then you go home thinking it's your uterus when it was your Johnson and Johnson. You know. Yeah, well, I, I agree also that they're not going to give uh, mainstream attribution uh, to the true causes. But, you know, 
there, there, it is a little bit tricky, right? Because there's kind of a delay in when you have infertility and then when do you realize that you're infertile, right? Because if you're a couple, right, you know, you're not going to most likely get pregnant, you know, after one time, right? It might take a few months. And then after a few months, you're like, oh, we're not getting pregnant. So let's maybe we'll go to the doctor, see if they find anything, right? And then they're going to say, oh, you're not uh, considered infertile until you tried for a whole year, right? So there's kind of a delay, right, before people know. But you might see signals. Now, we were already having a major decline in the birth rate and, in fact, have been below replacement levels um, in the United States for Americans, right? And many uh, European cultures also are well below replacement rates and are actually, you know, in a demographic uh, demise, um, in terms of preservation of race and culture uh, for many of the Western cultures um, in the world because of these declining birth rates. You know, you can't, when you go below a certain uh, rate, you can't really maintain the same population, then it starts dropping off. And with each subsequent generation, it, it contracts. So this is, you know, a real um, issue. And I, I think that, uh, you know, do you remember the Deagle uh, website that I think it's been taken down, but it might be on our name sounds familiar. So Deagle, Deagle is, is like a, uh, a contractor for uh, governmental organizations, and they made predictions about demographics in, worldwide. And they showed, you know, our uh, the the uh, population of the United States decreasing to like 100 million from 300 million by uh, 2025 or something like that. Now, when you see something like that, oh man, when I, you know what? And I'm glad you brought that up because I have heard this. I didn't know the name of the, of the, when I hear that, I think of one or two things, unfortunately. Well, both are them hoping, you know, we're in a war. So it doesn't mean that because they have plans laid out that we can see and, and understand and go, uh-oh, something's coming or something's about to happen. That doesn't mean they're going to win the war and it doesn't mean they're going to be successful, okay? But, because I don't fear monger, but in terms of the two ways it can get down to that is one from what they've already done. Maybe we don't know, it, it, it's still too new of the jabs in arms the past three years because who knows, there could still, I don't know why, but there could still be people going to get their fourth booster today. So you can't rule them out. I know it's it's a lot lower, but it's still happening. So, you know, there's two ways. One is obviously the jabs, which they already know, which is why they're predicting these numbers because they're like, okay, how many Johnson & Johnsons? That's sterilization. Okay, we got these many millions Johnson & Johnson. Do You do the Johnson & Johnson math because they won't have kids anymore. So how many years of depopulation will that produce? And then we got this row of Moderna. That's kind of, they're not dead already, you know? So it's like they, they, they have these numbers and now they can go, okay, this is how many, you said 50 mil? You said 50 million? Well, I or think, 100. What do they want the population was, down to? I think it was 100 million, but I could I could be wrong. I mean, it was a, a while ago, you know. Okay, well, let's call it 100 number, million. But. I think that's one way. The other way is, again, not to fear monger, but we all know on my channel, at least, what's in their back pocket. And that's uh, the, the alien card, the blue beam, the, 
you know, reverse engineered crafts to actually blow shit up while holograms are floating. So everybody just thinks there's an invasion and we all got to turn to the government. And now it's now it's really the time of them showing their true cards of a one world totalitarian government where we're all enslaved, which is what. And again, they're not going to do it. They're not going to get away with it. It's my point. It doesn't mean they won't attempt it. Okay, It doesn't mean they won't attempt it. I don't think they're going to get away with it, but that would be another reason. That'd be, I'm not a reason. Another way, and it's unfortunate. Both both angles are completely unfortunate. I'm glad that we're not a part of the first angle. We're okay. But the second angle would obviously, without fear mongering, I'm just saying it's an option that they have been holding on to for a long time. Have you ever looked down that rabbit hole? It's not really a rabbit hole. I mean, we kind of know now that number one, they have the technology to do it. Um, they show it off all the time at Disneyland. Oh, look, I, mean, I, I brought up War of the Worlds uh, already, right, which was done a century ago with uh, only radio technology. So with the kind of, uh, you know, life-size hologram technology they have now, right, and, you know, I'm sure people have seen that's been done at sports stadiums and uh, and such, right? You know, they certainly could, but also there there could be a war. Uh, you know, like a real uh, uh, war. Boots on the yeah. ground? Because, You're yeah, talking. Be, I mean, because, you know, right now we have essentially a proxy war uh, going on in, you know, between Russia and the Ukraine with Russia representing, you know, the East and Ukraine representing the West. So, you know, that could easily escalate um, to an actual, you know, world war. I'm and a different that, type of person, would, man. I, I don't. If it's a CNN headline, it's not really happening, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've, again, I can only go based off of what I know and what I, what I have known up to this point. Is there's people on my Instagram or Twitter or TikTok that will share something with me? They're in Ukraine recording, saying there's nothing going on here. What are you guys talking about? American news are lying. They're showing you video game highlights of war, which has already been exposed twice now. Where. You, I don't know what PlayStation game it was, but you put them side by side for what CNN's showing you about Ukraine and the video game. It's the exact same thing. They're showing you the same thing. That was also one where they were showing a gun show. I think the gun show was in Texas, I believe. I don't know exactly where it was, but there was a gun show they were showing and they were showing it as a war, that this is live footage of a war. So when I saw those two hit pieces by CNN, I quickly said, I don't think there's anything going on out there. I think it's a way to, to, to still to still support what you're saying, though. It's still a way for them to have boots on the ground. I mean, meaning they're the ones providing boots on the ground. They're the ones that are going to have not not saying U.S. soldiers, but whoever to come here and put boots on the ground and act like they're from over there when it's all orchestrated here to to invade our country when if you flew to Ukraine or Russia, both of their leaders would be like, we don't have anyone over there in America right now. What are you talking about? So, you know, again, it's a, it's a stretch. It's a stretch theory, but I can't believe CNN and Fox coming out with these stories, man. I, I like for me, it's like I have to write. You don't have to write all of it off, but it seems pretty orchestrated. So I I don't know. And again, when I get this footage of people saying, dude, there's nothing going on here. It's like, how, how do I, you know, how do I go? No, nah, no, nah, yeah, I believe the news instead of you, right? Like instead of the person sending me videos, uh, I, I can't counter that by saying I need more evidence or something. I, the news is saying something else when the video games have already been established that they're faking some footage. That's all. 
I don't know if you ever took a look at that type of stuff, but there's definitely fake fuckery going on with even with this war and especially with the hard push uh, last year, specifically for Ukraine. We stand with Ukraine, handing out free flags, handing out free shirts. Um, seemed like a psyop to me, man. I could be wrong. You might have more information um, than I do in terms of. Listen, I know I know people, um, you know, people who live in America or they even they're Americans, but they're they're Russian right heritage and they were basically saying that they were ukrainian because to get not be ostracized <laughs> like i on my i lived um i just recently moved uh finally to uh the country to a homestead type property but i was in like a university woke neighborhood mm. and I, I mean virtually all my neighbors had U- ukrainian flags i'm like none of you are ukrainian <laughs> Uh, why don't you have American flags, you know, but, uh, nevertheless, like, so I know there's, there's a big us and them, uh, factor and, you know, what, whatever is going on over there, you know, in reality, it still clearly, right. There's a lot of propaganda here. There's been, um, a, a lot of money sent over by the government, right. For whatever that's worth. And, um, there's, people buying into it, right? So it could be used as a tool to get people to fight or to justify, you know, having boots on the ground in some uh, fashion. And then, you know, wars, right, have been used to decrease the population um, in the past, right? So all I'm saying is that uh, this is on the table. And there, there are lots of signs right that that they could escalate like you know for example what we see uh the the try sort of uh the conflict between uh china and the u.s over um uh not hong kong but um uh sorry i'm i'm uh taiwan taiwan yeah right taiwan over Taiwan. Um, and that's, you know, been very, like, played up very seriously, right? I mean, Pelosi went over there, it was a big controversy, then she canceled it, right? And and there's been, you know, all kinds of threats of military action by the Chinese over there, and lots of talk, right? So, so and, and you know, there's other examples of this, uh, um, you know, where there's issues with Saudi Arabia, yeah. um, you know, kind of going away from uh, the ties to the United States and doing business uh, with with uh, China as well. So, you know, who knows uh, what what the real plan is? You know, if if you do look at some of those predictive uh, scripts, like the one from the 2010 Rockefeller uh, report, for example. Um, it does talk about a change in the uh, international power structure, right? Um, uh, through various types of civil unrest and conflict, including war. So, um, you know, all of this seems possible to me. I mean, it, it also seems that we're uh, headed towards economic disaster, and economic disasters also can result in a lot of mortality. True. Um, I mean, make a great point. It, it's there's many angles that they can try to get that population to the numbers that they fucking jerk off to. They crave these numbers. It doesn't mean that they're going to get there, guys. It doesn't mean that it's going to be established. I think that their COVID agenda failed. I think their vaccine agenda failed. They wanted more arms. They didn't get them. They fucked up from many angles um, with this PSYOP. And I think the red flags were kind of 
out in the open for a lot of people to see. And there's a people like you, people like me, Eddie, Sam, a whole bunch of people, even Jim Brewer. I mean, that's stand up. How many hundreds of thousands minimum people go, I'm not getting a jab. Now. I mean, it's like we're so powerful in this war that all they're going to have now is some destruction, unfortunately, which that doesn't mean that they're going to do. And I know that it's it's it feels like something's around the corner. Unfortunately, I think we all feel it, whether that's lights out, electricity's off or whether it's you know a fake alien invasion or whether it's it like you said boots on the ground um i just pray that humanity um can 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 stick together stay together now and i'll end on this because i'm gonna let you go here i know you're a busy man i appreciate all your time so far um i always bring this up on every show to everybody but i'll end it with you so we don't have to focus too much on it but um you know in my opinion the number one way in this world to defeat the system, to dissolve world governments, even universities. I mean, dissolved, like gone in 24 hours. And there's one way. You might think there's 10 ways, and I, you know, that's, that's, that's great. But for me, the, there's one way, and that is for humanity to collectively get together by the millions, hopefully billions, but I'm, I'm a realist, by the millions, march north, March south. That's it. You march north and you find what's at the North Pole, what they've been hiding from us, why they spun it as Santa lives there. It's too cold. Don't go there. We need to go there. We need to see what's there. I think that's the key to humanity. And then traveling past the 60th parallel, which is illegal to explore. Well, you got millions of, of ships and, 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 and private planes. Yeah, they're going to see you on radar coming. But when it's in the millions, maybe front line gets taken out. That's about it. But to go past the 60th parallel, see how much more land they're actually hiding. And, you know, who knows? Maybe there's another system over there. People yell at me all the time, even flat earthers. Like, oh, uh, quit saying there's other worlds. We don't know. That's the all point I'm trying to make is we don't know. It'd be crazy to go over there, see another pond with other continents and maybe another sun and moon. Now, I know the Bible people hate that, but it's just a point. Give us the chance to go see but once humanity can actually get together to go see what's south and go see what's north, it's over. To me, again, I, I've asked so many people, well, what's a better way to do it? Because if you see the truth in the north and, and, and possible more land in the south, you know, it's, it's how can you have universities anymore that are teaching the opposite? How can you have a government anymore that's stealing your tax dollars to fake everything going against reality? It's over. Um, and not only that, but eh, when you're marching past the 60th parallel in your search, if there was a lot more out there, just fucking live there. What do you mean? They don't got to come back here in this tyrannical lab rat of the center of the world, in my opinion, where they just threw everybody in here as a melting pot and said, we're going to do tests and trials and, and, and this, that, and the other. And then when you read the Granada Treaty, it's like, what was that exchange? Eisenhower, who lives out there? What are they taking? Who are they bringing over there? Possibly trafficking going out there. So it, to me, that blows everything wide open. And it's not like a, there is no chance, in my opinion, that nothing comes out of that. There's no chance that nothing would come out of that journey. Um, gun to your head, Dr. Kaufman. We'll end on this. Ar uh, please, artificial gun to your head. No real gun. gun. Artificial gun to your head. Are they hiding more land from us? Well, you know, just look, your opinion. You, we can't go there. You just you describe like uh, basically that um, you know Truman Show moment, right? When 
when he, he finds that uh, he's in a studio. And, and then he, this, but remember the end though, he, he said goodbye, he bowed and he went beyond, he went beyond yep. the world. He was told he, that that's all there was. And I think that's the most, it's not a dome at that point. People want to say Truman show is a dome. Like you're stuck in a dome. Uh, uh, like we live in a snow globe. Like, no, 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 It's, it's a metaphor. It's the, the, the end of the thing. He stopped in Antarctica where he hit something and they tried to tell him, you don't, you want to stay here. You're going to want to stay here, Truman. Don't leave us. And he goes, you know what? Fuck off. I'm gone. You guys have been lying to me my whole life. I'm going to enter that door and see a whole nother world I've never seen. And that's, that's what I take from it. But go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, that's all right. I was only talking about his, his realization, uh, not trying to say that, uh, you know, that that wall was like Antarctica or something, but I just thought it was a uh, metaphor, but, 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 but perhaps there is, uh, you know, the, those parallels. But, uh, you know, you'd have to convince everyone why they should go north and south, and, right? So you just really need one, one man with a cell phone going all the way north and another man with a cell phone going all the way south and broadcast that to the world so that they could see. And you're no right. Once, once, the, once it is, you know, uncovered, then, then you'll see the effect. But sometimes the, the people can still be fooled, even if they see it for themselves, they want to crawl back in the cave uh, too. But what I think the, the, the way to get rid of the tyranny is much uh, simpler, that you just stop paying attention to the government. Uh, so you, you don't ask them for anything. You don't listen to what they say. You don't go get licenses from them. You don't, uh, you know, send them mail. You don't give them money. That includes, uh, in my opinion, that includes taxes. Stop paying it, them. It has to be, uh, you know, it has to include taxes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I don't participate in the tax system, by I the don't way. Either. I don't either. For years and, and uh, we're not required to. Nope. Uh, you know, all, in fact, all of these systems, they're all, all voluntary. And once, yep. once you decide to walk away um, and stop paying attention, then it loses all its power. Yep. No one's going to knock on your door with a top hat on, like in the movies, and say, hey, you've worked at Foot Locker for the last five years. You owe us $18,000 in taxes. That's never happened, guys, and it never will. But Dr. Andrew Kaufman, I'm glad you ended on that because that's a huge one. Please look into how fake the tax bullshit is. You don't have to pay labor. It, it, it's, it's all voluntary. And I've been saying that for years. I'm glad you ended it on that because I completely agree with that. But Dr. Andrew Kaufman, man, hopefully we can have a part two down the road. There's, uh, I feel like as any show I do, there's always things I forgot to cover. Um, but that is the beauty of human conversation. Um, and we can go forever. But Dr. Andrew Kaufman, thank you. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy man. I know you're educating the world on the truth and you stand for truth. Um, and we all love you on the Hibbler effect here. We're glad we could uh, spend a, a few hours with you. And uh, please tell my audience where they can find you and how they can support. Yeah, please uh, just go to andrewkaufmanmd.com, uh, sign up for my newsletter. And, uh, you know, there are many, many ways uh, to support me. And I try to bring, you know, a lot of education to my audience, um, help inspire them to, you know, get out of these systems and start living based on the truth. And of course, you know, for me, that starts with your health, uh, drinking clean water, eating clean food, uh, getting out of 
the you know vaccine chemotherapy injection antibiotic health system um, and getting back uh, to nature and um, uh, you know that's what I'm all about so please uh, seek me out and uh, come check out my material yes and guys links are in the description and uh, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Hibbler Effect. Again, thank you, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Please click his link. Support this man. He is a, a soldier of God, and, and he's someone that is going to help us win this war. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. Um, I will see you next week. Until then. <laughs>